to the Power Hour and to part two with Benjamin Hardy. Earlier on this year, I interviewed Benjamin Hardy and we discussed the idea and the science behind the concept of our future self, how we can radically change our lives by being intentional about creating and reimagining our future. We talked about the benefits and value of spending time practicing, imagining and thinking about the future and our increasing our ability and our skill to be able to see the future more granularly and with more detail. We also talked about having the patience and in some cases the discipline required to pursue something long term for a future outcome. But sadly, we ran out of time and I had so many more questions for Ben and we didn't even get to talk about the Power Hour. So Ben has kindly, kindly agreed to come back to record a part two. Welcome back to the show, Ben Hardy. I am happy to be back with you. I loved being with you the first time and I'm excited to be with you now. Well, as I said, so many questions I didn't get to talk to you about, and hopefully my little recap can get everyone up to speed if they missed the first episode. But if you didn't, I would really encourage you to go back. It was in September 22 and have a listen to it because it honestly was one of my favorite conversations that I've had on this show this year. So I think a great place to start, something we didn't get to talk about before, was the idea of hopefulness and how our ability to endure is directly linked to how hopeful we are about the future. So Ben, could you speak to us? Could you kick it off with, yeah, the idea of hopefulness? So hope from a psychology perspective is kind of like oxygen or food for the body. Like without hope, mentally, emotionally, human beings fall apart. Just think, I mean, anyone listening and even you yourself, like think about what your life would be like if you had zero hope towards the future. Like if your future was completely hopeless, completely bleak, completely, there was nothing to look forward to, nothing to believe in, nothing to strive for. Psychologically, you can't have motivation without first having hope. Like if you don't, if you don't have hope that something's going to work out, you won't be motivated to even try. Certainly you can't have grit. All of uh, Dr. Angela Duckworth's research on grit rests on the foundation of hope. She says, hope's what gets you started. Hope's what keeps you pressing through all along the way. So hope is essential. Um, I would say there are, there's been a lot of research kind of looking at the differences between what would be called high hope people versus low hope people, high hope students, mm-hmm. low hope students, high hope entrepreneurs, low, even high hope versus low hope environments. Um, and there's kind of three crucial aspects of hope from a like from a psychology standpoint. There's three key aspects. Hope is very different from optimism. Optimism is a general view of the future that it's going to be good. Pessimism is a general view of the future that it's going to be bad. Hope is much different. It's it's kind of like optimism, but on steroids. It's also much more specific. It's not general. It's specific. So in order to have hope, you have to have three things. You have to have one, a very clear and committed goal a specific goal towards your future. If you don't have a clear and committed goal, and and the key word there is commitment. Without commitment, you can't have hope. So you have to have a clear and committed goal. If you're not committed, you probably won't be very hopeful. The second aspect is what's called pathways thinking, where you're very flexible at finding the way. This is what separates high hope from low hope people. Low hope people don't have clear and committed goals, but also they're not good at pathways thinking. What that means is is that when they hit some obstacle, like say some, you know, you hit an obstacle in trying to achieve something. If you're low hope, what that means is is you're not going to learn from that obstacle. You're not going to use that feedback and then adjust your path and find some new and different way. Instead, you're going to hit the obstacle and you're going to disengage, you're going to distract yourself, maybe pull out your phone, maybe go binge eat, maybe go do something even worse. And then you're going to go back to trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And then the third aspect, so you got clear and committed goal, second, pathway sinking. High, high hope people are always adjusting their path, always learning mm-hmm. from failures and successes, always taking this and saying, how can I do this better? They're always flexible, always finding a new and better way um, or creating the way, whatever that means. The third one is agency belief, which means that you actually believe as a person you have agency, that you have not only do you have something to hope for, but that you can actually create it. You can go find that way. You can find that path. You can make the miracle happen. You can make it happen. You believe you do have choice. Whereas if you begin to feel very low hope or hopeless towards your future, you start to think there is no way. And so why, why try anyways? Why, there, there is no way. I can't find a way. 
or you and you also just have no belief that you you really have much say in the matter at all like you have no agency you're just a victim everything's happening to you you don't get to impact the equation so that's kind of the the difference is right there well that outline is fascinating and actually i was thinking how can those low hope people or you know you mentioned the word environment and so obviously other things can dictate how hopeful we might be about an outcome or even about ourselves so i'm thinking now about education and for young people who you know maybe at school they get i don't know if it's the same in the us but here in the uk we used to do when you did the kind of end of school exam which is called the gcse here you used to get graded from a to f or a to to F. Now it's changed and you get given a number, which I think is even more confusing. So I think it ranges from a one to a nine, nine being the highest you can achieve and one being the lowest. Now, what happens now is that students are given a a prediction of their target, what they should be aiming for, what they should be working towards. And that I suppose is is like a, I guess a yeah a goal for them to chase. But for some people, they might be told, okay, your predicted goal target is a nine. You know, aim for for a nine, which I guess is equivalent to an, a star day. Others may be told, okay, a six. Others may be told, your target is a three. And and this got me thinking because my son recently started secondary school, and I was you know heard this in a presentation from the school and from the teachers, and it straight away it struck me as this really limiting thing that if you tell a child okay, you're, you're a three, you know, aim for a three, then actually that environment is being set to them in terms of how hopeful they can be about their own education or their own achievement or, you know, who they essentially are, what they're good at, what they can become. So how, what would your advice be to either the young people themselves or to parents of young people who might be those low hope people? They might think, well, actually my teacher told me for maths, I'm a two. And then they're, you know, how can we start to make them think actually, that may be where you are right now, but it doesn't have to be where you are in the future. Yeah, I love that. Um, it, it really does connect beautifully with all the research on future self. And I think with the with the future self research, the idea is, is that your future self is far beyond who you are today. They're not the same person you are today. So if you're at some level now, well, your future self could be at a totally different level. And you should expect that. That's essentially what a growth mindset is as well. Is that... Mm. You know, like, and, and so I guess hope doesn't seem like it would need to be required if you already knew you could do it. Like if, if it's, if it's an expected future where it's like, yeah, I know I can get up and I can go to work and I can eat lunch and I can come home. There's not much hope that's required for that. <laughs> like, um, and so hope really is towards something expansive. It's something it's, it is a big goal. Like what, what I'm remind, And so, yeah, you. I guess to your point, I do think that it's important for people to be stretching towards something. That's even what Viktor Frankl talked about, and his whole book is about hope, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, his his book basically outlines the research on hope 50 or 60 years before it came, you know, before the research occurred, which is, he said, what we need is not a tensionless state, but the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. So from his perspective, you need something that you're stretching towards or else you have no meaning in your life. And I think the same is true for kids. I think if they're not stretching towards a big future self, then what are they actually doing with their day? They're not they're not testing their limits. They're not trying. They're not learning and failing and and gaining great experience. And and so I do think you want to be stretching towards something that is is out of your current self's reach. Like it's a, it's a tough thing. Like I'll give an example of my um my 15-year-old son Caleb. I guess you could say a, an aspect of his future self is that He's playing college tennis. He really wants to play college tennis, but it's something he's clear and committed on, but at the same time, he needs hope to to actually achieve because there's an element of it that's not certain. It's not set in stone. Like, it's a stretch. Like, he, he'd have to really transform and really grow to actually achieve that goal. And then he's obviously got milestones along the way, like, you know, where something a little bit more realistic... Um, that he could achieve in the next 90 days, which would still be a stretch. And so it's going to really require him, if he's going to hit these goals, he's got to be committed. He's got to find new and better paths, new and better strategies. He's got to really work on his game, uh, maybe get better advice from his coaches or, or work on it. So I think you need to be stretching and striving for something that's actually beyond your current self's grasp that may even seem a little almost impossible, but that you can do it 
if you find the way which you're committed to, so you will find the way. That's why Frankl always quoted Nietzsche. He said, when the why is strong enough, you can bear any how, but also when the why is strong enough, you will find the how. You'll find the path. You'll get there. You'll transform. You'll grow. So you do need that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for so many parents, of course, you have to, you know, I'm not suggesting everybody should be told, you, you know, aim for the nine, aim for the A. Like, of course, we all have strengths and weaknesses and it's important to foster self-awareness. But I just, I, yeah, it really struck me that day of how much we could potentially limit and, and almost teach the 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 opposite of a growth mindset, you know, fixed mindset by, by putting these parameters on young people. And I think we all probably are guilty as adults sometimes of doing that as well. Another thing I really wanted to talk to you about as it's the end of the year. And I just released like a mini episode where I was talking to people about, you know, before you just start looking ahead at 2023 and you start making a list of goals and things you want to achieve, places you want to go, how much money do you want to earn? I love all of that stuff. I, I teach that stuff. I love it. But I always... But I also encourage people to look back. I think it's useful to look back and to look at the whole year. And I gave some questions and prompts for, to help people to do that. So I wondered with this idea of future self, do you think that it's useful? Do you encourage people to look back and maybe not even just at the last 12 months, but maybe further, maybe all the way back throughout their lives and think, are there some things that innately have always been there and maybe you've lost them? You know, I saw... I saw, I think it was maybe a tweet or a meme or something that said, what did you want to be before the world told you that you couldn't? And often when I talk to people about things they want to achieve, it's not some new idea that they've never thought of before. Sometimes it's something that they've actually, they actually used to want to be when they were a kid or they were at school and then it's kind of gone away. So I guess my question is how important is it for us to look back when we plan our future selves? I think it's incredibly important. I think looking back is incredibly important. Um, from a psychology standpoint, time is not sequential. Now, what I mean by that is, is it's, it's, it's also not external. So often we think about time as the past, the present, and the future. And so we look at it as a sequence. The past is behind us, the future is before us, and we're in the now. Whereas from a psychology standpoint, time is internal and it's holistic. So what I mean by that is, is the past, present, and future all exist right now. How you feel about your past, the story you have for the past, um, whether you've resolved it or unresolved it, whether you've got a positive feeling towards your past or a negative feeling, like all of those things are obviously going to impact who you are now. Um, if you have an avoidance towards your past, say you've gone through negative experiences and you're still avoiding learning from those or resolving those, then that then what that's going to lead to is an avoidance orientation towards your future, where your future mm -hmm. is mostly about avoiding pain or avoiding painful situations or hard things. So you're going to be avoid your, your future is going to be an avoidance based one. Whereas if you have more of an approach orientation towards your past where you're approaching it, you're thinking about it, you're learning from it, even your hardest challenges and you become grateful for them. That's, that's kind of a term for psychological or sorry, the term for that would be, um, post-traumatic growth where you just, you take everything and you're learning from it. You're grateful for it and you're getting better as a result of it. So I think it's insanely valuable to review the year. Um, my, my kind of model for a 2023 would be and this is just my own model, but like I, I, I take 2022 as my baseline. Like what did I actually experience in 2022? What did I achieve? What was my biggest learning? What was my biggest growth? What were the biggest things I let go of that are no longer relevant to my future self, but maybe were important to my past self? I just kind of try to put it all together and quantify it and like say like what actually happened? Um, what were my, like what was my true growth? And then I use that as the baseline for saying could I actually achieve at least that much growth, learning, progress in the first quarter of 2023. Because uh, I look at each quarter like as a 90-day period of time. I look at each of those as one year. Like I could definitely grow more than one year compared to my past self. Like in, in the first quarter of 2023, I know I can achieve more in terms of tangible progress than my past self did. Certainly, because I'm a different person than I was a year ago. Like, so I know I can achieve more in the first quarter, in the first 90 days than I did in all of 2022 combined. But I need to actually quantify that first. Like, I need to actually say what truly happened and use 2022 as my baseline. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm personally actually going for 10 times the, the actual trueness of growth. Uh, I love the quote, all progress starts by telling the truth. Um, so yeah, I, I love reviewing the past. I review the past all the time, whether it's like the last 90 days, whether it's the last 
um, 12 months, just actually looking at it and reviewing. And as you said, I'm always blown away at how much actually happened. Uh, I think it was such a big year. But also you could go back five years, 10 years. I think one reason why this is extremely useful is if you even do this on a regular basis, like on a weekly basis, you will see that you're not the same person you were a week ago. You'll see that you've learned things that your past self even a week ago didn't know. And now maybe you've got different clear direction towards your future self than you did a week ago because of what's happened, because of what you've learned. And so you're always different from your former self, which creates what would be called psychological flexibility where you realize, oh, my future self a week from now is going to be different as well. My future self mm-hmm. in a week from now is going to know things I don't know. My future self in a, a month, two, like in, so it, it allows you to recognize you're always different from your past self and your future self is always going to be different from who you are today. Yes, and it's so exciting. I feel like this is something that you and I share, Ben. When you were describing then about, you know, I can do more in a quarter or, you know, 10xing that idea, I think it's so exciting and it, it, it kind of leads you to this abundant thinking and this abundant feeling, which actually says, yeah, in the future, I'm not even able to, this is what I say to people sometimes when I'm trying to get them to really think bigger and to say you're not even able to see yet the opportunities the growth the person the things the skills that all the things you'll be able to do you can't even see it yet and often I think I see people's potential before they do and and a great question I, I like to ask people as well is what is the goal you know that you're going to do in six months what would it take for you to do that in six weeks and of course for some things it's not possible and it's not always about you know speed and efficiency some things take longer but i think when you challenge yourself to just answer that real question what if what would it take you realize that actually we can probably get a lot more done or we can stretch ourselves should i say a lot more than we than we think is possible yeah it reminds me of um So I think the concept is called Parkinson's Law, uh, which is that work fills the space you give it. If you give yourself six months, it'll take six months. If you give yourself six six weeks, there's probably a way. And I I like that thinking because it it prompts pathways thinking, that the pathway to achieving a goal in six months is going to be very different from the pathway to achieving the same goal in six weeks. You're going to have to find a different path, which creates flexibility thinking. So yeah, I I love that type of thinking. Let's talk now about satisfaction. So in our first episode, towards the end, you touched very briefly on, I think it was a book by Dan Sullivan, Wanting What You Want, and or the concept and the idea of saying, you can want whatever it is that you want. You need to define that. And once you know, okay, this is what I want. This is what I like. You don't have to justify it to anyone else. You don't have to compare it to anyone else's goals, but it is what you want. And I really loved that. And I suppose following on from that, the reason I wanted to talk about satisfaction is because, again, if people are thinking about the year ahead, if they're thinking about setting goals and targets and all these things, how important is it for us and how can we get better at identifying when good enough is enough because I think for A type people, myself included, it's it's very hard to achieve something and to not instantly try and raise the bar or to change the goalposts. So how, and I, I'm really challenging myself to do this a lot because I just think as soon as you recognize when you have enough or you've done enough or you've achieved enough, it's just such an, it's such a shift. It's such a game changer. And I think for me, it's been really, really impactful this year. So what do you think of this idea of satisfaction and how can people even begin to recognize when enough is enough? So, Here's kind of how I look at it. Back to Viktor Frankl. I don't think it's healthy to ha- to be in a place where you have no goals. Um, like Viktor Frankl said, what man, what people need is not a tensionless state, but the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. So I think the tension here that people have, like I think you need a future self that you're striving for and stretching for. That, that That's a big part of having hope, and it's a big part of having a growth mindset. The, the challenge that people have is that they think they can't be satisfied in the present while at the same time be stretching toward a future self. People think mm. that if you know they've they've placed happiness in the future, this is why um, this is actually why Dan Sullivan and I actually wrote the book The Gap and the Gain. Fully honest with you, is uh, the Gap and the Gain is an idea that if you're always measuring yourself against your future self, then you're never going to actually feel like you're making any progress because by nature, your future self is out in the future and it's always getting bigger. Um, So if you're someone who's achieving goals or has ambition, even if you've achieved great things, your vision or your ideals for your future will keep expanding. 
And so how Dan taught me about it was is that your ideals are like a horizon in the desert. You're never going to actually reach the horizon. Every time you're sprinting towards the horizon, the, the horizon keeps getting out of reach. You can never actually reach the horizon. Therefore, you can never actually reach your future self. Even if you've realized all of your past self's dreams, you still have a future self out in front of you, right? And so it's good to have a future self that you're striving for because now you're expanding and living powerfully. The problem is, is when you're measuring your current self and your current progress against it, because then you're yeah. always measuring against a horizon you can't reach. And so the key, and this is where you can optimize the past, present, and future, you have a future self that's exciting, that's compelling, but you're only measuring yourself backwards against where you were before. So like, I'm insanely happy with my life right now. I'm also recognizing the growth I had, call it last week, last month, last year, all of 2022, I'm blown away and I can see that I've made great progress from where I was before. And the only person I'm measuring current Benjamin Hardy against, the person you're talking to now, is against where I was last week, last month, last year. I'm measuring my progress backwards against where I was. I'm not measuring my progress against my future self, against that horizon. Um, but I do have that future self. I do have that horizon. I'm sprinting towards that. I'm stretching. I'm transforming. And I think it's essential to have that. But my happiness isn't based on me being there because I'll never be there. I'm here right now. Like, I'm here. I'm happy. My life is excellent. And I can see my progress. Uh, and I'm excited. And so I, I think how I, how I look at happiness, and I think a healthy psychological model for happiness is that you have a past that is positive and it's positive because of how you've chosen to frame it um, and how you're choosing to look at it and what you're learning from it. So you've got a positive past and you have a very compelling, exciting and purposeful future. Um, and that then leads you to being really, you know, you don't need to be at the horizon. I don't need to be anywhere to prove my value. I don't need to try to prove myself to anyone else. I, I certainly have that. I, I've got those goals. I want them. I'm excited. But I'm also blown away by my progress, and I'm happy right here. So I think you can have all of these things, and I think people get mixed up when they think that if they have goals, they can no longer be happy or satisfied in the present. I think you can, you can be very excited about goals, yet be very blown away at the same time by where you're at and what you've done. I agree. And I love this because it's such a game changer. You know, I'm someone who I think treading that line is incredibly difficult. You know, as you described, sprinting towards this future goal and this horizon, I, it's definitely, it's who I am. It's how I live my life. I always will be. But I'm also incredibly grateful. I try to be incredibly grateful and incred incredibly aware of where I'm at right now, what I have today, the work that I'm doing, the people that I'm with. I try to hold both in my mind, one eye on the now, one eye on the future. And it's something that I, just as you described, I think is possible to do both. I think it's difficult, but I often get that pushback from people when I talk about not so much personally to me, but I've heard people when, when the, with the idea of goal setting and with, you know, ticking things off the list, especially actually at this, this time of year, I think when you get into January, there'll be a lot of people saying, oh, forget that, you know, new year, new you, forget that list of goals, because actually that makes you feel dissatisfied. That makes you feel unhappy. And I think I definitely heard it last year with people saying, actually, you're good enough as you are. Like stop listening to people telling you to, you know, self-improve and be better and try something new because it will ultimately lead you to dissatisfaction and something that comes up a lot is the the words compassion and people will say that to me a lot they'll say well you know what about being compassionate to yourself if you're constantly trying to improve and be better then you're essentially telling yourself that you're not good enough and you're not worthy enough and all this kind of thing and i i i'm with you in the camp that i think you can do both but what would you say to those people who yeah challenge me and say well actually it's leading you to dissatisfaction by setting these constantly striving for the future so from Viktor Frankl's perspective, and also from mine and from the research on Hope's perspective, I truly don't think you can be happy in the present. And this may sound crazy. You can't be happy in the present without a future. That sounds really strange. Um, but I don't think if you, if you don't have a hopeful, exciting, purposeful future, a purpose that you're fulfilling, if you have a zero future, which is what a lot of people are trying to do, they're trying to eliminate the future, eliminate the past, and just be in the now and essentially just be here right um you can't necessarily you can't necessarily be i think happiness is 
it largely comes from having a purpose to fulfill in the future. That doesn't mean that you're not in the present. It doesn't mean you're not enjoying now. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not like loving life and that you can't just enjoy the moment or watch a movie or read a great book or just do something for the sake of it. You can. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have something that you're striving and stretching for that's giving your life purpose, then chances are you don't also have a lot of deep meaning. And so I disagree with the idea that if you have a future or a purpose, that therefore you must be dissatisfied. Um, I think that that's a false notion. I think that you can be insanely satisfied and happy with life, even while having an exciting purpose to fulfill. And I would actually also say if you don't have a purpose that is stretching you and giving you meaning and direction, your happiness may be more shallow, where it's more just, you know, temporary. Maybe it'd be maybe dopamine hit here and there. Um, doesn't mean you can't just sit and absorb a moment. You can absorb lots of moments, but having a purpose towards the future is very essential to happiness. In terms of compassion, I think having a future self that you know will be different actually gives a lot of compassion, first off, to your former self. There's no reason to have any negative energy towards your past self. Even if you've made what you see to be big mistakes, um, your past self was simply doing the best they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have pure compassion towards my former self. I know that my future self has insane compassion and empathy towards me um, and towards what I'm doing right now. Like I know that my future self will be far more understanding of my current thoughts and processes than I am now because my future self will know far more than me. I also can be insanely compassionate and flexible and empathetic towards my current self because I know that my current self doesn't have all the answers. I know in a week from now that my future self is going to be far more informed. So I don't need to try to prove myself. I can be compassionate and empathetic and flexible with myself knowing I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Right now I'm quite ignorant compared to where my future self will be. I like how Brene Brown framed it. She said, either you're trying to be right or you're trying to get it right. And if you're trying to get it right, then it's okay being wrong right now. It's okay to not have all the answers. That's having compassion and being flexible with yourself. And so for me, I'm okay with the fact that in a week from now, I might look back on this conversation and be like, man, I could have done that very differently. But that's okay. Because right now, as I'm sitting, I'm doing the best I can as my current self. I'm trying to get it right. I don't need to try to be right. Uh, and, and so you can be very flexible and compassionate all along the way. I definitely need to do that more often, Ben. I'll be honest, that idea that you just said around doing the best that you can in that moment with what you have, essentially, I think that's what most people are doing. But we often beat ourselves up and go, oh, you know, I didn't do that well enough or I didn't, you know, I procrastinate too much or I should have achieved more. And I think actually we all probably should, as we're looking back, as we're looking at the wins and we're looking at maybe things that maybe we didn't get to tick off the list or maybe some things that didn't go very well, instead of just berating ourselves and going, well, you should have worked harder or you should have, you know, you should have done more actually just going, okay, you did the best that you could with, with all the information and who you were then. And now, you know, more, that's only going to be a good thing moving forward. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think always being grateful, empathetic towards your past self, recognizing that you're not the same person they they are, you know, that you've grown, you've changed, you've evolved, they are where they were. Um, and you just, you love them, you appreciate them, you're learning from your past, you're grateful for your past. And then you're, you're also very flexible in the present, recognizing that as things go on, you're going to know better, you're going to learn better, that your future self is going to have different perspectives. They're gonna care about things that are different from what you care about. And also your future self, your future your future self is much wiser than you are. This is what I love about it, is that your future self, they value you more than you value yourself. They value what you do today more than you value what you do today because they they experience the consequences on a much higher level. They also yes. recognize your limitations more than you do um they they know more they're more it's e i like the quote you can't read the label from inside the jar you can't read the label from inside the jar and your future self is outside your current self's jar they can see things about you that you can't see uh, just like you can look back on your past with a little bit more perspective you know i could look back on my teenage self and i can understand things much differently than the teenage version of me could when i was dealing with it and so your past self or so your future self has a lot more compassion, a lot more empathy, a lot more wisdom, a lot more perspective. They also 
have a much higher sense of value on everything you're doing than you do. Like if I go home and I'm just totally unplugged and distracted, or I'm just totally like disconnected from my kids, like my future self, like that matters more to them than it matters to maybe me. Like even if I'm just like, you know, being reckless or whatever, wasting three hours, like to, my future self just sees the value of things. Even if you think about it from like a compounding perspective, like a hundred dollars or something like that, like I could just blow it today, but to my future self, like if I had invested that wisely and, and there's nothing wrong with having fun, but like that could have been worth a thousand dollars or 10,000. Like if it was just, and so like everything has more value to my future self. And so they view everything in my life right now with much clearer eyes, but also they 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 appreciate on a much higher level everything in my life right now yes absolutely and i was, I was actually nodding my head as you're describing that thinking about things that i do now sometimes i call it planting the seed where i'm like you're planting the seed now for the fruit that you're going to have in the future and I, I yeah i think i'm i'm someone who tries to do that myself and also recognize that you know, you have to be patient and that whole thing of delayed gratification. I think we talked about it actually a little bit on our first episode. And as a runner, as an endurance runner, I always have that frame of reference in my mind that, you know, it's not, I can't necessarily just get up tomorrow and run 26 miles, but actually when I'm training, when I'm putting in the miles every time, the repetition for that future, when I have to run that race, when I have to run that distance, I know that putting in the work now is for my future self. It is for that day when I don't want to stand at the start line, shaking, thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm going to be doing that anyway. It's going to be challenging no matter what, it's a long way to run. But I think, yeah, putting in that time, putting in the miles, like you say, one run today doesn't matter if I do it, if I don't do it, but it will matter to that Adrian in the future. So I love this. This is great. And this is why I was so, so looking forward to having you back. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, of course, we have to talk about the Power Hour because last time we didn't have time for it. And I know that many of the listeners will want to hear someone who is as intentional as you are and someone who is as thoughtful about the decisions that you make in your life. We are all dying to know what time do you wake up in the morning? What do you do with your Power Hour, which is the first hour of every day? What do you include and what do you exclude from the first hour of each day? So my morning routine or my power hour, I love that idea of the power hour, by the way. Um, it changes with time. Um, certainly, like, back in the day when I, was a, when I was a college student, PhD student, particularly because I had something usually scheduled in the morning, like getting to class by 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., like, usually there was a like a benchmark or like a anchor moment, like a meeting, like, you know what I mean? A class or something, or, you know, when my schedule was more like that, um, on a daily basis, my morning routine was a lot faster paced because I needed to get things done quick. Like, and so I would wake up at five and I typically I've woken up around on average, like if as a rounding average, I've woken up between five and five thirty for the last probably 10 or 15 years. Like it's just kind of, that's usually when I wake up, my wife and I these days go to bed around nine, wake up at five. She, she goes running and stuff. She does her reading. I usually, um, you know, wake up, super hydrate, take some supplements, go to the gym. And I always just, I love it. It's been a routine of mine even since college, but, um, I just sit in my journal, uh, outside the gym for usually about 15 to 30 minutes. And I just, Right, right, right. And then I'll usually just listen to a great book when I'm working out for like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, so for, in terms of hour, like I guess between it's, – yeah, it's usually probably more like two hours, honestly, like between waking up, 
hydrating, journaling, exercising, then getting back. And then from there, it's really just, and I've listened, usually listen either to like super just chill music or a great book just to kind of map myself into the right frame. And then from there, it's usually focus at this point, you know, now that I kind of have my, my, my daily schedule is a little different. And so that actually changes the kind of cadence of my morning routine. Like in the past, like I said, it was a lot hyper-focused on like, you know, I would still like wake up, journal, usually work out, and then I would write blog posts and stuff. And I actually still do very well in the mornings when I have Mm -hmm. an achievement I want to get done by like 8 a.m. I'm actually still very good in the mornings. Like if I'm like, I want to, I want to film like a YouTube video or like, I want to like, I want to flesh out this chapter. Like it's good for me to have something I'm trying to get done in the morning. Um, but I also have kind of a slower frame of time now where like there are many days where I don't have something on the schedule. And so like a lot of my power hour, I guess you could say, is just getting myself into the right frame of mind, connecting to my future self, connecting to God, getting my body going. And that's really what it's honestly all about for me. Uh, and then whatever I do next, usually it's focused on deep work or something like that. Well, it sounds, it sounds great. Like you say, having almost two power hours two double. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I'm not trying to rush through one hour. Like, I mean, it's like, you you know, usually I wake up at five and unless I have something intense, I need to get done. Like if I've got some appointment at, I don't know why I would have an appointment at 7am. You know what I mean? But like, um, (laughs) but it's interesting that you said, I usually wake up at five, you know, unless I have some important thing to do. And actually I hope that people listening to this, maybe some of them, if they've listened to this show for a while, even if they're new, I hope that hearing what you said then about even having one thing to do, like, oh, I need to shoot this YouTube video or I need to finish the chapter of this book, or maybe I just want to get ahead and send this, finish this email. I actually hope people will, maybe feel a bit more inspired and motivated to create that time in the morning, especially this time of year. Let's be honest. It is in the UK right now. It is bleak. It is. I keep today on my run. I was literally running through a frozen planet. It is cold. It is dark. And so at 5am, even at 6am, it is so dark and cold. I can understand why people say, Adrian, power hour right now, December, really? But even if it's one thing, even if you have an intentional maybe it doesn't even take you the whole hour but just knowing there's something i need to do tomorrow and i'm just gonna get up and just get it done before seven before eight i think that is such a game changer for the rest of the day you know that 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 thing is ticked off the list and often it's something that most people will say oh i'm time poor i don't have time you know i want to do that but i don't have time and so yeah i hope they'll hear that message uh, that i've been repeating for years four years actually on this show to say to people reclaim some time be intentional because the time is going to pass whether you use it or not absolutely and i look at time this may sound weird. I look at time qualitatively, not quantitatively. So I'm not really worried about how much I can pack into an hour. Um, I'm not living hour by hour. Usually I'm living kind of sequence by sequence. What I mean by that is like today, right now, I know it's like evening for you pretty much, but like this morning, so it's, it's, it's about noon. We got on at noon my time. And like my whole morning was kind of centered around really just like one thing. Like I did have a coaching call since it's Friday. Um, typically I try to batch all of my meetings onto a Friday. Sometimes I'll let Thursdays occur. And I know this may sound weird and idealistic to a lot of people, but I do think, you know, the more and more you kind of do really own your time in terms of quality, not quantity, um, you start really trying to just do one or two things really deep, really well in that day. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go really, really deep, um, you know, uh, honestly, reading this book or, or like hanging out with my kid, like rather than like me trying to like shift from thing to thing to thing to thing, which from a flow perspective, you're just scraping the surfaces. Instead, you're like, what is it I really want to be and do today? And like, what do I want to have? And like, I look at flow from two perspectives. I think flow is really about focus and it's also about recovery. And like, you know, you're fully absorbed in both and you you actually want to be fully on and fully off and being fully off is just as important to creativity, to growth, to learning. Often, if you actually don't take enough recovery, then you're not seeing the forests and you're not readjusting your path. So you're kind of wound up too tight. So, um, I, 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 yeah, I guess I'm just saying, I agree with you. And Mm. the, the longer, I guess I've been on this future self journey, 
um, the less is in my life. Like it's not about me trying to achieve 50 things in one day. It's actually about me achieving less and less and less, but better, higher quality, less quantity, going deeper, not shallow. Because I know that the deeper I go into one thing or into one relationship, um, the bigger the transformations. And so on my daily basis, typically, I'm really just trying to do one thing really well. Like, you know, if I can have three or four hours to like really, and it may include a few activities. Maybe I'm walking around my neighborhood listening to a book, but ultimately it's really about trying to understand this one thing or like trying to like get this chapter written or, or if I'm just going to like batch these activities, I'm going to film like two or three YouTube videos or it's really just about doing one thing well and not trying mm -hmm. to squeeze so many things. Cause if you know, it, you know, just, as a thought, you know, if you're trying to do 10 or more things a day, first off from an 80, 20 perspective, like 80% of the results you get comes from 20% of what you do. If you're going for 10, you know, that like at least seven of those activities are, are busy, but they're not productive. And like mm -hmm. only one or two or three are the really like future self activities. The rest are current self or maybe past self activities that either get deleted or get like delegated if you can. Um, so I yeah, couldn't agree more thoughts. with Oh, I couldn't agree more, especially with the less but better and the qualitative versus quantitative. I think that can apply to everything, right? Relationships, uh, social events, you know, it's like, do you want to have a hundred friends who you hardly see, or actually is it better to have 10 or, or five or two incredible relationships with two friends? So I love that approach of qualitative versus quantitative and less but better. That's something that I think we should all write down and remind ourselves, just write it on your, I don't know, on your wall, less but better. Oh, Ben, I've absolutely loved this. And before I ask you my final question and wrap it up, I also, we just kind of skimmed over really quickly when you mentioned about your book, The Gap and the Gain. I listened to The Gap and the Gain on Audible when I was out running and I really enjoyed that book. And then somebody else who I work with also, Mitra, shout out to Mitra. She listened to Gap and Gain and she was talking about it at work in, in, in the office in the context. And we both really, really enjoyed that book. And so for anyone who at the end of the year is thinking, oh, I'm enjoying this and I want to hear more from Ben or or have a new book to listen to i guarantee if you're enjoying this conversation you will really enjoy the gap in the gain the book and especially the audio version i really enjoyed it wow well that's really insanely generous of you uh it was a fun book to write definitely i think it supports future self because i think being in the gain is all about reflecting back on your past self um and continuously measuring your progress backwards, right? Rather than being in the gap and measuring yourself against your ideal future self, you're using your future self to move forward, but you're always measuring yourself only against your past self. And I, I think that, um, I guess, a, a big aha that I've gotten over the last few years of kind of living these principles, understanding these principles, past, present, future self, uh, measuring backwards against my past self, is that I really... Like, I'm very, very happy in the present. Um, I'm very blown away by my past, and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and excited about my future. But I'm in my own game. I'm in my own world. And I think that, that, I think that living these principles allows you to have a more intrinsically motivated life where you don't actually need to get to your goals. Like, you don't need to be at your future self right now. Like, you can be your future self now. I mean, obviously, that's, that's part of the book. But, like, you don't need to get there instantly... And usually the reason I think people have that feeling like that they need to get there now is because they're still living an externally driven life where they're still trying to prove themselves to others or they're trying to impress or fit in or, or be accepted or be liked. And there just comes a point where you become very comfortable in your own shoes. You're comfortable with where you're at. You're comfortable with who you are. You're excited about your own future. Your future is your own. Your past is your own, and you're continually learning from and valuing your past, and you're really just blown away by life, and you're very grateful for it. You're very, uh, and, and you're you're not judging yourself against other people, and you're not judging other people, and you're 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 loving, you're appreciating, you're valuing other people, but you're not needing to prove yourself to anyone anymore. You're not really, you know, like your goals are your own, your future is your own. That's that whole wanting what you want. Like you 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 don't need to prove to anyone. You don't need to justify what you want for anyone. You're you're playing your own game doesn't mean you're not totally connected and deep with other people, but you don't need to be anyone else or be anywhere for anyone else. And you're not trying to prove yourself anymore. And I think that that gets you out of the fixed mindset of trying to prove yourself. Yes. And what a wonderful 
What a wonderful message to hear at the end of the year. Thank you so much, Ben, for joining us. I've absolutely loved this episode and I'm sure that the listeners have as well. My final, final question for you is, what is one thing that we could all do before the end of this year, something intentional that we could do to benefit our future self? So this is an interesting one. I already brought up the 80-20 principle. And... And so basically what I, according to the 80-20 principle, 80% of your results comes from 20% of what you do. So, and then the opposite is also true that 80% of what you're doing right now is creating very little of your tangible progress. And Mm so it's very helpful to look at your life from an 80-20 perspective and to identify what is the 20% that really matters. And the 20%, by the way, is your future self. The 20% is what's most relevant, most exciting to the person you want to be towards your future self. It's the stuff that's creating all the results. It's also the stuff that fits a a future self filter. Your future self is the filter for every decision you make. It also filters out what you don't do. A filter and a standard are similar things. If something is truly a standard, then you you don't do something below the standard, right? It's like, no, this is the standard. So your future self is the standard and it's the filter for what you say yes and no to. And only the 20% fits the filter of your future self. In other words, 80% of your life is more reflective of your present and your past self. And the worst parts of the 80% also include, um, I guess what I would call your floor. You, You have a ceiling as a person, which is your potential right now, which changes all the time. And you also have your floor, which are the worst parts of yourself. And, and by worst, I just mean they're the parts that are, are no longer relevant to your future self. My floor, for example, might be that I spend an hour or two a day randomly scrolling YouTube, right? And like that, it's not the worst, right? Uh, or maybe I eat too much like sugar at night or whatnot. Like I have a floor and, that, and, and, and if I just raised the floor, and I've actually done this recently. And by the way, the worst parts of your floor are in your 80% that don't fit your future self. And so, I mean, one of the things that I've learned so much, and this goes back to higher quality, less quantity, is, is that the more you strip away of your 80% and just let it go, um, what what immediately happens is, is that you, you've let it go, and so now your future self gets 10 times bigger and more exciting. Um, so just actually identifying your floor and seeing where you can raise that floor. Because when you raise the floor even a little bit, it's not that you grow a little bit, it's actually that you grow exponentially because now you've kind of unhinged yourself and you've let go of something that you're holding on to from your past. So like as an example, like recently I've made most of my phone apps just off, unavailable to me. And over the last month, my phone use time has been down by 60 or 70% what it was last month. But I didn't just, so so now I'm not wasting that time on the phone. And, and But it's not like, it's not like I'm just doing nothing with that time. I've actually been listening to really good books or spending time with my family. And so I've replaced something of low quality with something of very high quality and also something that's pulling me away from my future self with something that's actually bringing me much closer. And so I'm now experiencing all these transformational benefits that are not just apples for apples. It's more like apples for like, you know, like golden apples or oranges. Like it's just not comparable how much your life changes when you raise the floor. Um, and so like one thing I would invite anyone to do as you're reflecting on the end of your year, as you're thinking about 2022 is sure you can think about one, two, or three future self goals that you can live and be and achieve and realize next year. I would also invite you to look at three floors that if you raised, which are your past self by raising them, you're actually like, you're pulling up your floor, which is like, you're pulling up your, your standard. And by the way, the standard, your floor is your actual standard. Like your floor on your morning routine during your power hour might be that you wake up and you look at your phone. Like that's a pretty low floor. <laughs> like, you know, you can raise that up by just, you're not looking at your phone during that power hour. Right. And so it's just about honesty and all progress starts by telling the truth, but I'll tell you my three floors and I'm just gonna be blunt and honest. <laughs> One of my floors for 2023 is, and this is me raising the floor. In other words, raising the standard and the floor, and the standard is your identity at the core level. By raising your floor, you've just elevated your subconscious and you've let go of your past self in so many ways. But 80% less time on my phone in 2023 as I had in 2022. And again, I'm using 22 as my baseline. And so I'm going to spend 80% less time on my phone, period, 
Mm. I'm going to consume at least 80% less caffeine and sugar in 2023 wow. as I did in 22. This is my floor, right? Yeah. This has yep. nothing to do with anyone else. So no, these are not relevant to anyone else because you, none of you are me. None of you have my 2022. And so, uh, and then the third one, one of my floors is just in this kind of, I guess, goes to power hour is 100% flow for the morning. Like just, I'm just going to live in mm. flow in the morning, 365, 365 days a year. Um, I, I know that if I just raised those three floors that the compound effects, but also the, like the nonlinear, like what's going to happen in my, to my life just by pulling up those floors. Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, that sounds incredibly powerful. You've got me thinking straight away. I'm sure the listeners are as well. I think the 80% less time on your phone, I think when people first hear that, they might think, wow, that's, that's radical, that's too much. But actually, I would actually challenge most people to say that is probably, 20% is probably, yeah, what you need to, the things that are essential, the things that you actually need to use your phone for. And the 80% of everything else with, with me, it's it's, definitely things that are procrastination tools, distractions, maybe welcome distractions. But I think that is one that I maybe, maybe will try to adopt from you. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to 80. I'm, I don't know why, why not? But I'm thinking off the top of my head as well, if I could share any, then the first one that came to mind, it's going to sound odd, is I, when you said about a habit or, or something that you do, a flaw, I think mine is saying yes to things asks requests when my gut feeling is to say no and i think the reason you raise is, that floor that would be huge oh my gosh and i think the reason i do it i know the reason i do it of course is because i always want to i'm a yes person in the sense i want to help people i want to i don't like to let people down i don't want to see someone's disappointed face if i say no which is ridiculous because we cannot say yes to everything and then as a result you end up either dreading the thing resenting the thing when the day comes you're like oh, i have to do this thing i didn't want to go i don't want to do it why did i say yes to that so that would be the first flaw that came to mind was adrian stop saying yes to the first every request every ask every hey could you do this would you like to i'm like okay and inside i'm thinking i really don't want to do that so that is going to be my one for 2023 stop saying yes when the gut tells you no well even if you raise you don't always have to raise the floor by 100 percent. so like you don't have to make it like even if you did it half the time where like half the yeses that you wanted to say no to if you even just replaced half with no's the result would be exponential. It wouldn't be that you're twice as successful. Who knows what would happen? It would be ridiculous because now you're you'd you'd be living far more in alignment with with your future self, whereas the saying yes is is your past and present self. And so mm. you don't have to always purely eliminate the floor, uh, okay. even if it's just you raise it. Like I didn't say zero to my phone. Um, so even if it's just half, my goodness, everything will change for you. Oh, you see, half. And this is why you are so brilliant. This is why you are so great. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. the work that you do, the books, all of it. I'm a huge fan, as you can probably tell. And I hope that the listeners are too as well. So thank you so much again, Ben, for joining us. It's been wonderful. As always, thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you've had a fantastic 2022. I hope that you are starting to get excited about your future self about what is possible for yourself and for your life in 2023 and beyond let us know and of course share this episode with someone else as well have an awesome week stay safe see you Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.